Should this city be destroyed? It's June the 22nd, 2018, and this is 508, a show about Worcester. Our panel today is Bruce, the Snow Ghost Russell. Hi, Bruce. Hello. And Brendan Melican, who's barely here. in the frame. Can you can you scoot over about a foot, Brendan? There people people on Facebook want to see you. Hi, Brendan. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. Thank you. And me, Michael Benedetti. <laughs> Today we're talking about kind of suicide. like a drum roll. That's like a drum roll, sliding our mics around, getting ready for the show. Today we're talking about suicide, Main Street, and heavy metal madness. Not all at the same time. Oh, we are all at the same time. Brent crude oil is $75 a barrel, down 3% on the week. Bitcoin is $6,100, down 5% on the week. You're listening to Unity Radio, broadcasting with 100,000 milliwatts of power on 102.9 FM and streaming at WorcesterMag.com. This show is also cablecast on WCCA TV 194, podcast at org, and live stream to our Facebook page. You can call in live at 508-471-5265 and thanks to the mighty Gabrielle Powers for engineering today's show. People at home, people on Facebook, if you want to ask the Snow Ghost a question, now is your opportunity. 508-471-5265. That's the show. All right. Thanks there for tuning in. Um, yeah, can ahead. we, uh, I think we should just take off real quick. Uh, yeah. Something I think we both agreed was basically written uh, for, for today's uh, program or for, written for us in general. So yes. unfortunately it was announced that um, the current uh, CEO of... Um, the director of the WRTA is, has resigned, right? Yes. And um, which is too bad. Nice dude. I actually got a chance to talk with him a few times, and yeah, whatever. I, I actually really like the guy, and gave me some hope for the place. But what was amazing was in the article, it was the chairman of their board of advisors' response to the announcement was, and this was quoted. I don't know why anyone would want this job in the first place. <laughs> and it just strikes me as really – we've spent a lot of time talking about uh, public transportation, ways to fix it. Uh, maybe we shouldn't bother fixing it, Bruce. If you can think of a way to just make it go away, I'm sure you could come up with something. But it's like – it just – how can – from the inside, how can you even begin to try and repair a system – if the advisors to the system itself, the advisors to the chair, the, the director of the program, don't think it's worth anyone even bothering to apply for the job in the first place, it definitely it definitely sounds like you have a problem whenever you're at, you're at that point with your. If you're the chairman of a board and you think that you, the organization you represent uh, no longer is, has any value, then it might be time to either think of a new board or just shutter the whole entity. Well, uh, go ahead. The thing is, is like one thing about a board. <laughs> At oh, least no. nobody will be bored staff when you want to get rid of your problems. Depending on the problem, just don't think about it. Because generally, if you don't think about certain problems, you tend to go away. They come more frequently if you keep bringing up the same problem, but they never really get it go away. Do we want the buses to go away, though? No. All right. Well, so that's but the, if we don't, that is the problem. Then. If we don't think about our bus <laughs> budget deficit, though... It'll go away. It'll go away. Then we this just is the, the whole mo- problem. The problem is we think about money too much. We're just going to stop thinking about the money side of things. You know, I want to talk about two two things which are maybe not super policy related. I want to say one thing. Yes. About <laughs> it's, <laughs> yes. it's been a long time since we have had a rolling interruption uh, show. Uh, I'm glad this is happening. The thing about the budget, it's just like they got money to fund this. It's just they choose not to pay for it. That's the whole problem. People have want to cut stuff out. And the people who are suffering are the ones who are like the elderly, the poor, et cetera, et cetera, because they can't afford to, for, ins- for insurance or gasoline, et cetera. They just choose not to pay for it because they want everybody who suffered, especially the elderly and the poor. That's just the bottom line. And like, people have got to freaking got to wake up. Bruce Russell, folks. 
Uh, so before we talk about more policy, Bruce, thank you for that. Before we talk about more policy-related stuff, I want to talk about two uh, non-policy-related things that are very good from the week. Um, one of them is that we got a certificate of recognition from WCCA uh, this week. It has my only my name on it, but we should all have our names on here for doing over 295 episodes of 508. How'd they miss the other five? <laughs> this is, I mean, I'm a little behind in how many, what, the, getting the episodes to them. All right. Do you get another certificate at three? Uh, no, I think this is it. Right. <laughs> I think we just, I think they were like, I know these guys have done 300 episodes. We can only certify 295, whatever. We're going to give Fair them enough. a certificate. Bruce, you, you've aged real well, man. I'm looking at you up on the screen there. Oh, yeah. Taking good care of yourself. Oh, yeah. Yeah, looking good. Um, so uh, the other thing I want to talk about is. <laughs> 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 you sure you don't want to stick around for the next hour? <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. The other thing I want to the other thing I want to talk about that wasn't Sorry super about po- that. That was super policy related is this thing from Worcester Magazine. By the way, there's these Worcester Magazine guys wandering around in the background. That's who Brendan's talking to. Uh, this is this is their um, this is their uh, uh, profile this week is of Janelle Wheeler, Fulbright Scholar. She is going to be teaching English at a high school outside Lyon in a priority education zone where there are a lot of refugees and immigrants in the school. Janelle is somebody who I've known since she was a little girl. I'm oh, no, so huh. thrilled by this. This is great. She's a cool person. Good job. I feel like this is the first of many profiles and many awards that Janelle is going to get. Um, you know, as a, as a, yeah. I read that as well. The, the interesting story from beginning to end, but it's... um. As a relatively stupid person, yeah, I feel like I know a lot of Fulbright scholars. Maybe there's just a lot of them. Is it just, well around Worcester? Is it? Yeah, I don't know. Is uh, that is that weird? I feel like there's a lot of Fulbright scholars in my universe. There are a lot of Fulbright scholars. Okay, I so, mean not that many, but you know, enough that you're like a cool person, P- cool people are like Fulbright scholars hanging out with you. I mean, the other thing I wanted to point out about this is, and she she mentions this, which is that um. She, you know, as many people do when they were a young, uh, a young adult, became a vegetarian, and then going to the New England Veg Fest in Worcester was what turned her vegan. This was years ago. I remember her coming to the Veg Fest and being like, "Last year at the Veg Fest, I became a vegan," and me thinking like, "You know, like good luck, kid. We'll see how long that lasts." And sure enough, here it is, years, years, years later, and she's still here, like working on animal rights stuff. So I feel like, you know, I mean, we basically coined the term Worcester Renaissance with talking about the Worcester Vegetarian Renaissance in this show, and uh, I feel like this is a just To me, this is a good example of how good things that we do can ripple in the world. Starting an organization like Veg Worcester. Clearly, this young woman is a Fulbright scholar because someone gave her a vegan cookie at Veg Fest I'm not 10 saying, years ago. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying among other things. Oh, well, here's the thing about vegan. I mean, somebody actually went from what became a vegan. I mean, well, how vegan were they? How were they really that vegan to actually go from vegetarian <laughs> to vegan? To, uh, <laughs> I lost that one. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't bring a script this time. You got to write down your notes. Uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Bruce Russell. Bruce, how are you doing? Pretty good. How, how are you looking? How are you, like, you know, Bruce, right now we have on the big screen behind us a thing saying, Worcester, the city should be destroyed. There you go. By Fam- you. By famous you. Bruce famous, Russell quote. Famous Bruce Russell quote. of One, one that never made its way into a t-shirt. It, it, well, you know, it always seems so negative. But, I mean, this is a quote which came from a time when uh, Bruce came over to my house. Yeah. And uh, as he often did and started making a pot of coffee, didn't look at me, walked in the room, started making a pot of coffee, and after a moment of silence, I said, Bruce, how's it going? And Bruce turned around, looked at me, and said, 
this city should be destroyed. Yeah. And turned back and started continuing to make his coffee. Which is, I, I think, oddly one of those statements that anyone that's been around Worcester long enough, uh, you can just hear that and not really be taken aback by it. You just understand, oh, you know where that guy's coming from. You're yeah, not going like, to go you know, on with your it's day. A, it's yeah. a, it's, you may not share that perspective, but it's sure. a reasonable perspective. I mean, it's, 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 it's kind of a joke. I don't mean it personally. I don't want people to take it offense by it. It's just a joke. But, I mean, that picture was actually... Before I was coming back from L.A. or just on my way there, that's when I was picture sitting because I was right across the street where the old laundry map building used to be. Hmm. I um, think this might have been. I think this might be the parking lot of St. John's. Yeah, definitely. With the railroad thing. Yeah, you yeah. can actually see the uh, TNG building in the background there. Yeah. So there's so many things other than besides Worcester Magazine and our award that we could talk about this week. Just news with Notre Dame, the Paw Sox. We already talked about the WRCA. It's church down yet? I stopped paying attention. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Um, I stopped paying attention a long time ago. Yeah. The only time you pay your attention when you pay your bills on time. That's the only time you start paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just gonna have I'm just gonna have a, a shot of Brendan. Just Brendan's Brendan's uh, confused expression this entire show. Just a close-up of That's your, fine. your yeah. expression. It's not really confused. It's just I, I'm thinking. <laughs> in, no, I'm thinking of the people at home only listening on radio. Like Gary Rosen is tuned in right now, or in his car in his driveway, just listening to the radio because you know whatever he's by himself because he's never seen a Star Wars <laughs> film. So obviously nobody's hanging out with him, and he's listening. He's trying to figure out why Count Chocula is in the uh, is, is in, in the, the studio house. here. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Um, Did you say Count Chocula? Yeah. Do you have a joke for that? You know cereal. You remember the cereal, Count yeah. Chocula? Yeah, yeah. It was it's delicious. One thing about uh, Count Chocula, I why so much chocolate some chocolate. <laughs> chocolate went off for the chocolate. <laughs> you know, Brett, just as we were getting, just as we were trying to get our feet under us on how to do a radio show format, <laughs> yeah, we're we doing have to fine. throw another barrel of chaos into the mix. Um, um, might somebody let the bears loose? N- I'm not even going to. I'm not even going to respond to that one. I got to keep this. I got to keep this on on focused. Um, the, I feel like sort of the two big things to talk about this week are Main Street redevelopment. Are you raising your hand? <laughs> oh, Tim, Bruce is signaling to me the time. The time because I'm not paying attention. Um, um, Main Street and suicide. I feel like suicide is really the flip side of the Worcester Renaissance. That if the Worcester Renaissance is about how great the city's getting. Um, these suicide statistics are about just how likely is Worcester to drive you to kill yourself. Can we uh, agree, or maybe just agree to disagree, that the word renaissance is like the contemporary version of the word moist? That like if you hear that word and you're not somewhat disgusted by it, that it's just you're doing something wrong. I love you were it. raised poorly. It's, it's your parents should feel bad about themselves. It's I love it. I it's think a weird it word. Like, I think about it like Wormtown. I feel like everybody who uses it, I can only think about somebody using it with a touch of irony. Yeah, I guess so. Which, I, I which just is, think of just like what I feel like somebody walking around with a giant turkey leg, and you know, while people in weird costumes are dancing around, like a ren fair. If, if only, if only it were. Well, we're gonna have a brief commercial uh, message, but this is 508 Worcester's Libertarian Voice. We'll be back in a few minutes with more. Live from our studio in a basement down an alley in downtown Worcester, this is 508 with Bruce Russell and Brendan Malikin. How can you forget either of them? Two of Worcester's great. Satanic madmen. How are you guys doing? Fantastic. Let's Fantastic. talk. Ab- let's talk about suicide. Speaking of speaking of metal, let's talk about suicide. Um, this was a, a a big story a couple of uh, weeks ago, and because of its nature, I think it remains a big story, which is that suicide rates in this country, Brendan, have been going up 
for a while now. They have been for a while, for a while but I think it's, you know, Massachusetts, uh, our DPH seems to be kind of finally catch, catching on to that as our increase, although the state's uh, rate of suicide is still primarily lower than the majority of the country. Uh, what was it, 40% uh, was what uh, our overall rate of suicide went up over the last decade? Yes, 35.3%. Very good. Um, yeah, I mean, we're so we're still the 48th. We're still the 48th most suicide state. So I think that New York, New Jersey, and DC, if I'm remembering correctly, are all you all have. A, they all have a lower suicide rate than us. Mm. States that have a high suicide rate would include like your Montana's, your Alaska's. Um, yeah, Massachusetts is is pretty is pretty low as far as national suicide rate goes. Worcester is somewhat more. Um, more than the average, more than the state average. So the way that they count this, the way that they r- r- measure this is by um, the number of, per 100,000 people, the number of people who uh, kill themselves every year. And in the state, the number is about nine, and in Worcester, the number is a, a little over 11. Hmm. Um, and we should point out, as every article about this issue does, which is that one of the risk factors for committing suicide is uh, reading about or hearing about suicide. Hmm. So by us, by people listening to the show are now slightly statistically more likely to kill themselves Thanks, than before the show. I mean, the, the alternative is just to not talk about it at all. But I think suicide is also getting impacted by somebody feeling depressed. Yes. I think a lot of it has to do with drugs and alcohol, and a lot of it has to do with people take, uh, take medicines. Because ultimately, why that's, I mean, this is, this is why my people take medicines for... Self-medicating. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're all self-medicating because sometimes in some gets, capacity. Sometimes they get that from the doctor, too, because sometimes the doctor gives them that, and sometimes they OD on the stuff. Well, one of the more interesting things about uh, just looking at raw data around suicide, and, and again, as it holds nationally as well as it seems here in Massachusetts, is that uh, the biggest upticks uh, among demographics are uh, so middle class white males uh, is is the where you see the most growth, and then right behind that, oddly enough, you, well, like it's not oddly enough, you're seeing a lot of um, white adolescent males. Uh, it, I think the age range was somewhere between 10 and 12 was one of the uh, largest bubbles uh, where there's a significant increase in the rate of suicide. But the one common uh, factor along uh, growth lines for almost every demographic is that it seems to be something that's affecting the middle class uh, more and more, um, which I find kind of interesting as a parallel to uh, conversations around opioid addiction, because that was the one kind of underlying uh, theme nationally is that uh, the biggest bump in our most recent wave of opioid abuse uh, has been amongst the uh, middle class, mostly suburban middle class, and it seems to be one of the things that's not discussed very well. Got a kind of a weird background theory that what we're kind of watching is just the overall decline of the, the middle class in America and a lot of the unfortunate desperation that goes along with that. It yes. is, yeah. I think it's... Bruce, you gotta, you got to get close to the mic. You know, I just or think, not. I just <laughs> think that sometimes you can feel depressed no matter where you live. I mean, you don't have to be so much in in one state or city, or city. You can feel depressed no matter where you are. It doesn't matter where you are. I mean, sure. it's my feeling. It's like you can be depressed no matter where you are. And you've been a few places. Yeah, I just said majority... Why does it have to be narrowed down to one one place or one city? I mean, you can feel that way anywhere you are. It doesn't mean... 
Oh, sure. But I think I, the point is when you break things down by demographics, what you start, start to see is, especially when it comes to things like addiction um, and uh, suicide, what have you, uh, there are a couple of trend lines that tend to fall along historically poverty levels. Uh, but more when you dig a little deeper, what you tend to find is people that are experiencing a decline in their own um, net worth. Uh, and when you get back out a little bit, when you start looking at demographics, you start seeing that what was always viewed as like an idyllic, solid middle class as kind of things have been chipped away in terms of earning potential, um, uh, security, uh, both financial and employment, uh, that a lot of the things that historically have been labeled as poor people problems and uh, unfortunately summarily dismissed as a result seem to be cre- not so much creeping but racing headlong into the American middle class in a really interesting sort of way. Do you think that uh, suicide has a lot to do with, with, with poverty? I think it has to do with desperation. Yeah. So, by, by, so and poverty oftentimes is a component in that. Because yeah. a lot of people live in poverty. A lot of people do. Yeah. Generally, that's from drugs and alcohol, right? No, I wouldn't say that. That's I mean, there's I mean, a lot of factors that. All right, so I'm just saying, but. Yeah. I mean, it's just like so him and I volunteered the, the mustard scene. It's like a lot of it down there, but I don't think anybody down there is going to kill themselves. I mean, I hope they don't. Yeah, I'm sure people would say the same thing about, uh, you know, Anthony Bourdain, too, right? Like a, a day before uh, that news broke that he was not likely to kill himself. And he wasn't a poor guy either, right? I mean, de- dealing with addiction issues for years and mental health issues for years. And I think that's where you're going to kind of double back and, and take a look at a chicken and egg sort of approach to what you said about, um, you know, drug and alcohol abuse, too. Like, is that indicative of, of somebody dealing with mental health issues or is that somebody who's self-medicating uh, and unfortunately gets dragged down, uh, you know, a, a long road that and there's no walking back from? And it's also some Sometimes is that you, when you become having substance abuse, sometimes you have too much of it. You don't know when to stop hmm. because you think, well, if I keep doing this, what's worse is going to happen? I'm going to forget everything. On one hand, yes, but the other hand, no. Hmm. I mean, I drank for like, I don't know, nine months or something like that. And I thought I was doing myself a favor, and it really wasn't. I was just trying to forget everything was going on in my life at that particular time. Sure. What did it help? What did it really, honestly, what did it do for me? Absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. And going to the Perry Ford Clinic in L.A. and say, hey, gee, I have an alcohol problem. They didn't solve me nothing. They just told me I had an alcohol addiction because I couldn't stop. Mm-hmm. That's why you have an addiction, because you cannot stop. Somebody has to get you to that point to pick up where you stick it in your arm. I mean, it's just like specific if you want, whatever you want to say. Hmm. I don't know if that makes any sense to you guys. Yeah. It makes total sense to me. I want to ask you both. Um, you know, what's like? What is? Do you feel like there is some silver bullet solution? Do you feel like, or do you feel like there is some underappreciated solution that we should be doing a lot more of? Or do you feel like we're basically doing the best job that we can as a society that these are a bit out of our control? This issue, these kinds of things. I mean, you could just go ahead and look at uh, some of the old, uh, well, I don't know, some of the old abandoned buildings around and trying to like give people. A better place to live in, in particular being in a shelter or something like that because there's plenty like abandoned buildings that can be used for something okay I mean, no, no, I mean, of course, when you're talking mental health issues, that's something we should always be doing better, uh, a better job at. You know, we, we tend to look back at the 60s and 70s when we started to uh, deinstitutionalize uh, and dismantle our historical mental health and, uh, complex in the United States. But really, that was uh, dismantling something that was probably one of our most tragic experiences with, um, you know, 
just basically locking people away who were in desperate need of of, um, of healthcare, uh, as well as people that were just viewed as being uh, not friendly to polite society and uh, locking them away as well. But since we 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 sort of take, took a negative approach to mental health care in that period of time, I don't think we've done a really good job of uh, of replacing uh, or filling that gap with the the necessary necessary sort of care, and also make people realize that it's it's totally safe and and comfortable to be talking uh, openly about issues like that. Can I talk about West Virginia for a second? Sure. My favorite nonfiction book I read last year was called Ramp Hollow, The Ordeal of Appalachia, which was mostly a history of West Virginia. And it was interesting because, you know, obviously West Virginia, when you think about it, you're like, well, this is just a place where there's a bunch of poor people. So Mm -hmm. the question is, like, how do you end up with a place where there's just a bunch of poor people? And in that situation where the answer is because people were subsistence farmers Mm -hmm. and then subsistence farming fell apart and then they didn't have any resources. And subsistence farming... I think we often think about that as being like a form of destitution mm-hmm. rather than actually like just a form of like non-capitalistic uh, sustainable survival, which is what it was for them, which is like, all right, you don't have a lot of money, but you don't need a lot of money. Right. And you're doing great and you're having kids and the population's going up and, you know, people are having a good time. Um, reading that book, you know, you sort of are thinking like, ah, oh, where did it all go wrong? How could this subsistence farming have continued? There's something really idyllic about that idea, right? Of like a, of an America full of homesteaders. Sure. Or as incompetent farmer Thomas Jefferson would have called it, <laughs> yeoman farmers. Right. Um, you know, you know, independent people, you know, okay, and also they're slaves, but mostly just independent people, and, and they're slaves, sorry, mm-hmm. to mention, mention that too. Um, reading this book about the history of subsistence farming and how it fell apart in one particular part of the country, it just seemed overdetermined to me. Like there were six different big society-wide forces that were uh, either intentionally or unintentionally working against the viability of subsistence agriculture. Sure. And so there was no, I mean, it fell apart there earlier than it fell apart in other places in the country. But there, unless you could deal with six big society-wide forces at the same time, you were not going to save it. I think about mental health I, sometimes I worry about mental health is the same thing, where there's got to be like half a dozen society-wide forces, mm-hmm. whether we're talking about the internet, we're talking about family structures, we're talking about healthcare stuff, we're talking about job market stuff, we're talking about automation, you know, we're talking about all this different kinds of stuff, um, you know, we're talking about uh, even probably things like, you know, the lack of a world war, things around the draft, all of these things together conspiring for us to have a society where people are unhappier yeah. than they would be otherwise and like I don't feel like there's an easy solution I mean in individual people's like if a person comes up to, up to me and they're like I'm depressed I can be like alright well maybe I can try to help you Yeah. but as far as like what should we be doing in a city to reduce suicide substantially I don't know Right. Being a different century. Well, you know, and I, I kind of take the same approach. That's why I was drawing the parallel to opioid addiction as well, because right? I, I think that's it's it's kind of safe to to look at those uh, in a similar light, right? I mean, folks who are dealing with uh, however you want to term it, pain in some form with, a, uh, with, with, with via addiction or via abuse of opioids, right? Like that uh, that's coming from a, a, a place that. I don't think it's easy to identify by looking at a, a chart or um, looking at a, a bunch of public public health data. Yeah. There's a lot of forces in society that are going to uh, push somebody into a corner that they don't feel that they can escape from uh, and lead down a pretty terrible road. Um, yeah, and I think, unfortunately, that's the one downside, I think, of mental health being discussed more commonly over the last probably decade 
is just that. It's just kind of become a catchphrase that doesn't necessarily have any meat to it and certainly doesn't have any solutions to bigger societal problems that we face. Well, here's a thought, though. I mean, <laughs> couldn't we just, like, it's too bad there wasn't, like, a, an 800 number where you can call somebody and say, well, gee, I'm thinking about committing suicide or some, like a 24-hour hotline. What there is. There, I mean, I would say that there are, there are but that that... I guess my I guess my long rambling thing about West Virginia and agriculture was just means to say that like um, an 800 number is all well and good and probably helps solve the problem a little bit but in, you know the idea of saying well we should just have more 800 numbers we yeah. should just spend more money on that that's not going right. to deal with the yeah. suicide problem. The thing is the thing about suicide is that the problem is nobody sees it coming because people don't really talk about it because if you're going to talk about it, if you're going to talk about it you're not going to do it. Because nobody ever sees that coming. We should say, yeah, we should say that, uh, you know, one of the statistics that people have been quoting, you know, this is this recent CDC report talking about America's suicide, that more than half of people who commit suicide, yeah, slightly more than half of people who had committed suicide did not have any known mental health conditions. So you're right that people frequently do not see it coming. Um you know, I just I want to I want to also defend Worcester a little bit with these numbers. Talking about how Worcester has you know a higher than uh, the state average, and Worcester County has a higher than the state average suicide rate. Um, you know, living in Worcester makes you about as suicidal as living in Iowa or Michigan. Why is that? So it's not like Worcester is like living in hell. It's just like living in uh, the Upper Midwest, which is not like living in hell. I've lived in the Upper Midwest, and it's a great place to live. All right. What were you saying, Bruce? Why is why is it higher here in the other parts of the country? It's well, it's or in the state, I should say. It's really, I mean, yeah, right. I mean, it's lower here than in most parts of the country. It's probably higher here than in other parts of the state. I mean, I would I would guess that Worcester is a city which has um, more poverty, more. I mean, more of all these different problems there's more drugs that we associate. And, there's more drugs and stuff like that on the street, right? More drugs and more of everything, more of everything else. Oh, right. You know, and like, I mean. Obviously, these are great problems. Would would be great problems to deal with. You know, like solving the pro- the poverty problem feels like solving the subsistence agriculture problem or solving the depression problem. Do well, we need to go to a break? Well, yeah. here's a question for you, yes. Brandon. All right. You By the way, I want to say the number one reason I wanted to have you back on is because you always call Brandon Brandon. Thanks for doing that. Well, it's does somebody who's going to commit suicide do just abuse have a lot to do with that? Or how persons grow up, or they get because that make a person want to do that sort of thing. I'm not an expert we'll, on the subject. We'll get to that answer after these <laughs> messages. This is five away. Worcester's week by week good faith survey of evidence. We'll be just back curious. in a moment with more. This is the water, and this is the well. Drink full and descend. The horse is the white of the eye, and dark within. And this is Brendan Malikin, and this is. Bill Shaner? Mm-hmm. This is Bill Shaner, and this is Bruce Russell goofing out his phone, and I'm Mike Benedetti, and this is the 508 Show, Worcester's uh, uh, show about mainstream re- redevelopment. We have this thing which is called um, which is called Main Street Reimagined. Do you guys know about this? Mm-hmm. So this is called Main Street Reimagined. It's a project which is going to start some summer 2018. That's this summer, Brendan. That's like right summer. now. Yeah, yeah I think it, it did start. They have the uh, north end of Main Street blocked yes. off. The project duration is two years. The project cost is $11 million. Here's what the city tells us. The city is embarking on a long overdue $11 million top-to-bottom reconstruction of Main Street. This is not simply a repaving project. 
Not simply repaving parking. No. We're building a main street that is not just a way to drive from point A to point B, but a 21st century main street that embraces modern urban design philosophies that is built to encourage parking your car and walking to multiple experiences all throughout downtown. I want to apologize to whoever wrote this on the city's website because I know that you did a good job with this, but whenever I read it on the radio, it sounds silly. We went downtown, <laughs> multiple experiences. Brendan, have you had, ever had more than one experience downtown? Soon you will. There'll be multiple experiences. Uh, we want downtown to be a destination, not a waypoint, and this new Main Street will deliver on that vision. So uh, there's sort of two parts of this that I can tell. One is that they're going to uh, put up some public art, and the other one is that they're going to um, change the sidewalks a little bit as part of this complete streets thing. Yeah. yeah. I think the sidewalk part is a little bit bigger than just... It's not just a little bit. Yeah. It's going down to one lane for almost the entirety of it with sidewalks that are about twice as big. Are these sidewalks twice? This is so I'm so I'm looking at this diagram, which I could not get on the the screen behind me because the file is too big and it keeps crashing it. But we have like uh, we have like 200 pages of cool cool stuff. So like the one this is a this is looking at a section of Main Street, which goes roughly from Chandler Street up to almost Highland Street, like up to the old courthouse right. almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe like, you know, uh, uh, you know, 10 or 20 yards down some side streets mm-hmm. that connect to Main Street, not very far down those side streets. Um, and I'm looking at this, this diagram and trying to understand exactly what is happening? It looks so. The sidewalks are getting bigger, but you're saying the sidewalks are getting twice as big. It's enormous, and they're it's a, bring, it basically taking the space that, that now takes up a single lane in a, on Main right. Street. The, so the sidewalks are getting expanded, and in, in street uh, parking is getting a little bit expanded at the expense of one lane of traffic on each side for pretty much all of it. So it's going to go down to a single a single lane street, uh, and. Uh, especially around, I think it's the Palladium, the Hanover and Mechanics Hall. They're going to be even bigger sidewalks with like uh, uh, areas to sit down and have public art and, and that sort of thing. Oh, and there's going to be like a big median through a, through a, through that chunk that you were just talking. Or, or, or actually, I guess around Federal Square, there's going to be a there's not a giant median all the way through there. Is there? There will there will. Oh be. yeah, it's going to be like a grassy median, like with like trees. Or something. Yeah, and there's going to be a ton of bollards added, so that's mm-hmm. good. Um, and there's going to be some resin crosswalks, which I think of as like plasticky crosswalks that are yeah. going to be put in. You're saying it's going to go into one la- one lane? One lane and a bike lane, I think. Yeah, the bike lane is definite. I don't think it's protected, so it'll just be a, yeah. a wide bike lane and uh, yeah, extra parking. I don't understand how to read this document at all. Yeah, terrible those contractor. Are, those are the. Uh, those are the the high tech di- they, I think they have some some diagrams that are more like public facing. Yeah, there's a couple slide uh, presentations that have uh, gone out uh, via council and whatnot that yeah. are or planning that have uh, more color and are easier to, to recognize. It's I was saying in between the break there that um, if anyone has been up to Concord, New Hampshire, I mean obviously in terms of scale, uh, not Worcester, but their downtown they wrapped up this spring uh, a very similar project and it's pretty fantastic. It's uh, uh, their main street actually looked a lot like Worcester, just a little bit shorter for years. Um, you know, almost every block now, uh, sidewalk dining, uh, lots of outdoor public seating spaces, tons of public art, um, and both big and small. And I think that's what we're shooting for, too. Things that uh, might be temporary installations, but then also like metalwork and whatnot that you yes. kind of don't even notice by design uh, and just becomes part of the streetscape. They actually did a really nice job with it. If, yeah. well, I, we, I'm going to get to the public art component in a second. I just want to say, like, is could could we say that this is going to make the sidewalks feel like the, like the new sidewalks around City Hall? Is that an accurate statement? 
feeling like what capacity? Well, like, so, like, the sidewalks around City Hall, like, over the last 10 years have been expanded quite a bit. Oh, yeah. Okay. Cleared out quite a bit, streamlined. Lots of bollards have been added. Those bollards are those, like, three-foot-high uh, things which are, I guess, to prevent cars from driving up and hitting pedestrians slash being effective car bombs. Which, if you're a long-term listener to 508, you remember when the city first installed them, they didn't secure to the pavement, and when cars yes. did hit them, you'd have a giant rolling metal pin like careening down yes. Front Street that would take out anybody who happened to dare cross the street. I remember Scott Zoback was always very excited about the word bollard, which is what got me into the word bollard. Um, these are heavy enough. We'll just yeah. leave them here on the sidewalk. That's, no one so, will ever hit one. So these sidewalks are getting big, the si- especially around the um, corner of blocks, the sidewalks are getting really big, uh, I guess, to yeah. make crossing the street easier. But it's also, you know, we've got a lot of restaurants and stuff downtown. Uh, Shrewsbury Street went through this, too, that, uh, you know, outdoor dining is just kind of like what's expected at this point in time. And it's depending on who's reading code. Uh, a lot of city sidewalks don't meet ADA compliance in terms of the width necessary to actually allow any sort of outdoor dining. By adding that uh, extension, now you're giving more than enough room for people to uh, walk, hopefully in greater numbers, but also better make use of the uh, sidewalks as public spaces. Yeah, I would say that once it's done, it's a good thing. It's going to take a long time, and I think that's going to make people pretty grumpy oh, for the like duration it. of it. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, there's going to be your requisite townies that just hate that it goes down to one lane each way. I feel like this uh, is going to be one of these things that people on the city council and people in, in public are going to be like, why was this sprung on us? Why were we never told? Why was there no public input? Oh, why absolutely. was there no whatever? And we've been talking about it for years, though, haven't we? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. nothing new. I just want to make it. There's a yeah. time I would have been one of those people. Yeah. Let's, fl- let's be honest. It flew under the radar. I will say that. It was it was never the big story in Worcester, and, and it seems like the... the, the Whose media. fault is that, Mr. Professional Journalist? <laughs> and I would like to... Definitely uh, mine, personally. Just say for the uh, the benefit of Gary Rosen, if you're listening, um, so when you decide to ask the question at council, how much would the city save if we didn't spend the money on redoing Main Street, the answer is $11 million, just like the answer <laughs> for the library is still $8 million. But, yes. Bruce, Bruce, Bruce do, you know, do you know who Gary Rosen is? What? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, you, you you definitely don't have to be on this part of the show if you don't want to. I know that you're not super excited about sidewalk repair. There is a public art and streetscape element design proposal part of this. How many minutes do we have? The show ended so, a half hour ago, Mike. Four minutes. <laughs> um, they're looking – so looking at the documents for these public art, you know, originally I thought this was the kind of thing where somebody would be like, oh, well, like, you should just like put up a cool picture of Amy Hoffman or something. And the city would be like, great, we'll pay you like $1,000 for that idea and we'll do it. But these RFPs are like serious stuff, man. I feel like you have to be a contractor to fill this out or to like know how to do this. Oh, RFPs yeah, that, are no joke. Yeah. And, and and it really is saying here like, hey, local local people, Worcester people are highly encouraged to do this. What, what Worcester people? I mean, I'm sure that there are totally Worcester people who know how to like cast bronze. I, and and do the paperwork as like a professional contractor would for doing a bronze casted piece of art. But I don't know these Worcester artists. I want to meet them, or these Worcester contractors slash artists. I want to meet them, but I don't know who they are. Yeah, I would say that the way this is rolled out is is pretty pretty wonky. Uh, it, I think that they would have uh, done well to uh, save this process for after they if if you legally have to do an RFP. Maybe do like in, like a email application. Choose who you want, and yep. then make them fill out the RFP and help them, because this is, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm with you. I don't I don't I wouldn't know how to do that. I mean, I think it's fine that I don't know how to do this. I mean, they shouldn't be using my ideas anyway. I think it's interesting. They have a bunch of stuff in here, like 
what are some ideas you should have? You could talk about creativity, innovation, and revolution as reflected in Worcester's past. You could talk about Esther Howland. You could talk about barbed wire. They have all these suggestions in here of Worcestery stuff you could talk about. Brendan, you wanted to say something? I don't know. Yeah, no, just, you mentioned creativity, and I was just going to throw out there that there's no better way to uh, inspire creativity than a 20-page RFP. That's, uh, well, Brendan, in they my went, mind, that's really what gets the juices flowing. Under creativity, we have the subhead Peace, Love, and Happiness, celebrating Worcester through three symbols closely associated with the city. The peace symbol. A 12-foot <laughs> cast bronze statue of Abby Hoffman. That's what we're getting. Um, yes. The heart. And the smiley face. These are all strongly... You know, the heart and the smiley face both are strongly associated with Worcester. I always feel like Worcester doesn't... I mean, Worcester does a lot with these, but Worcester needs to play this up way more. That we have, like, base, like there's like, Manhole covers. That's, there's, well, like, that's basic actually, keyboard symbols. For anyone out there like. who actually knows how to weld, I'm looking at you guys up at Technicopia. Like, you need to fill out this RFP and just, just start um, tack welding... Uh, hearts and smiley faces onto manhole covers and, and get those replaced as installations all throughout downtown. Plus, nice. people people will see these people who are against peace will see these manhole peace manholes and they'll like pee on them and stuff. It'll make Worcester a popular destination for these angry people. It'll be totally good. <laughs> we'll it'll balance be, things out. It'll be interesting. We're getting be, too happy lately. We'll get a lot of publicity. Mm-hmm. So they want to have um, five different kinds of things that you could put up that, that we're going to have public art of in, in the new downtown. This new one one lane Main Street. Artistic screening is element one. Number two is light installation. Number three is activity nodes, benches, and bicycle racks. My, the thing didn't print out properly, so I was, I, you're laughing at activity nodes. This is what I'm going to look at. Activity nodes are six prominent locations that present opportunities to showcase public art. So I guess that these are just like cool places where there's going to be other stuff is what they mean by activity nodes. Um, these might be Federal Street, Chatham Street, Harrington Corner, Maple Street, Mechanics Hall, and George Street. Bill, can you ever see yourself in the future saying to your buddies, hey, you heading out of the node tonight? <laughs> hey, we're going to go node it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, What? I, I still don't know what an activity node is. It's a place. It's a, I mean, an, acti- an activity node. These are just like areas where there's going to be... Um, it's a designated area where you're allowed to congregate with other young people, <laughs> and we're going to have like a security camera right above it so we can watch you all the time. But it's, yeah. I would say, I mean, this is an area where there's going to be a little bit of extra space and where there just really feels like there should be something. For example, one of them is going to be at George Street. And they're saying, you know what? You should have a bike-related thing, a major tailor-related thing that we could put up at George Street. That's 508 a great idea. 508 Bike Life. That's a great idea. There you go. There <laughs> you go. Federal Street, creativity, or the subject of the artist, artist choosing. Chatham Street, Creativity Innovation, or the subject of the artist's choosing. Harrington Corner, Esther Howland's Valentine's Shop, the heart of the Commonwealth. They mentioned Abby Hoffman in here, which I think is pretty bold. Yeah. I don't know that, speaking of speaking of suicide and mental illness, I don't know if we want Abby Hoffman People never in bring up Abby Hoffman in Worcester. But people I who bring I know him up bring all the time. Him, oh, people who I know bring him up all yeah. of the time. Not, but it's not enough. That's no, the thing. yeah. Like Worcester, yeah. Uh, uh, soon to be a major motion picture should be something that every Worcester public school student reads before they leave sixth grade. Right. Yeah. That's your history of Worcester that you need before you actually get out of your little elementary school and yeah. move off to middle school. We should talk about Abby Hoffman and Wormtown. Both of these we should talk about more on this show. I can't believe that recently then the University of Wormtown, they're being still being this controversy over the use of this word. We should just use it continually, every day, all day long. People need to get over it. Just ask LB permission Are we ready to get out of here? We're done. <laughs> All right. This is 508 Worcester's Libertarian Voice. We'll be back in a moment with Bruce Russell and more Worcester. 
Everyone loves him. He's all alone in the world. His mother and father weighed several hundred pounds, but little Ernie was born to be a mini pig. No bigger than the palm of your hand, no larger than a telephone. Born to go through his entire life as a mini pig. Yes, the smallest pig in all the world, and he is here right now. Come in and see him now. Just one pound of bacon on the hoof, alive and here now, in the person of Brendan Mellican, Bill Shaner, Bruce Russell, and myself, Mike Benedetti. We need to talk about Notre Dame, and then we could talk about something else All right. besides many pigs. What do we have to say about Notre Dame? Well, I mean, we, uh, we should talk about Notre Dame and the Pawsox. These are these are two things which, uh, I mean, like, what's the what what's the um, what's the smart money say this week, Brendan? I feel like I feel like my money this week says like neither of these these things is going to be resolved in a exciting way. No joke. Yesterday, the two people that I would go to for uh, to see where the smart money is heading, one put ten dollars on staying on Rhode Island, and the other put a thousand on coming to Worcester. So I'm out. I'm yeah, really, I'm, I'm walking really? away from the table. I don't even going know. Back to blackjack, man. I mean, I have to say, like for the longest time, I was like, of course the postdocs are never going to come here. Are you stupid? And then it just kept. It just seems like. I mean, I I don't like I don't pay attention to this stuff, so of course I was fooled by this. But I was totally fooled by this after a while. Like oh, maybe this is going to happen, and now this week it's like it seems like the Rhode Island legislature is like, okay, fine, we'll build Where are you something. At, Bill? Bill, well, the uh, the smart money in the smart form. money is actually on Bill Wall Street Trainer. at this point uh, because the deal has in Rhode Island has been altered to a point where the Postdocs won't even like say anything about it. Like they're they're very clearly upset with how the deal has been negotiated in Rhode Island. Did I read the wrong newspaper article this morning? Why did I get the exact opposite Well, no, because there, there are things... I, I think what we're seeing is a lot of attention on the legislature, which is right. putting, moving this package forward. But if you read between the lines, I think to Bill's point, there doesn't seem to be any aspect of conversation with the Paw Sox so involved with that. it's kind of confusing because, yes, the Rhode Island House is getting pretty close to... They're going to vote on it tonight. And it looks like they're probably going to pass it, but we don't know. But even if they pass it, that's basically just giving the uh, local and state officials consent to negotiate. It's still up to the Pawsox. It's not like if they vote all in favor, yes, we keep the Pawsox. That's not it. It's ultimately up to the organization to decide where they go. So the smart money is still that Worcester is going to be – Worcester is interested enough in this that they're going to pony up a level of cash and development that Rhode Island will not do. Yes. Will okay. you have cash in Rhode Island? <laughs> it's uh. Wait, you guys, you guys, are, you guys got to share this mic. <laughs> what are they going to pass in Rhode Island? A funding bill for a, a new McCoy Stadium. Uh, where are they going to put that? Uh, in in Pawtucket, but it's complicated <laughs> because they they might come to Worcester. Oh. The Pawsox. What do you think about the Pawsox coming to Worcester? Well, if they put a stadium in Worcester, where would he put that? So much backyard. <laughs> It's funny you mentioned that Alan Fletcher has offered his backyard yeah, to be the home of the Yeah, it basically is Alan Fletcher's backyard. They're gonna put it where uh, Wyman Gordon, the old manufacturing thing, used to be, the, right by the uh, train tracks. This is like when you're walking. Canal through, District. This is like when you're this is like when you're walking down uh, Madison, uh, Street. Madison Street towards mm-hmm. Kelly Square mm-hmm. on the right. Well, if we're gonna put this in somebody's backyard, uh, we're cool with it. Um, yeah, this is like. Well, if, if, if the water breaks, you know, if you know where the dam's gonna go, right? So much backyard. Yeah. The dam's gotta go someplace. So why, to go why somewhere. not? All oh, right. Yeah. I get a dam in my front yard. Oh, well, damn that! <laughs> you know that sounds. <laughs> you know that sounds great. I think. Uh, if I had a backyard big enough, I'd I'd give it right up for the Pawsocks. That'd be cool. Yeah. Just walk out, that. wake up in the morning. 
hang out with the boys, throwing pitches. Mm-hmm. Maybe Mookie Betts will be there one time when he's hurt. Mm-hmm. Hang out with Mookie. Hey, welcome to Niagara Falls. <laughs> Slowly I turn, step, step by step, step, inch by inch. <laughs> <laughs> I, sl- I slept like three hours last night so this is the perfect shift for me um so okay so now so now surprise me fellas and tell me that this uh, this idea of saving notre dame is going to happen it's going to happen right my skepticism over this totally unfounded Mm-mm. no it's not going to happen no but now, if someone well, can tell me how I can get a hold of some of the marble and uh, granite involved, like I'm, I need to redo my steps in my backyard. Yeah, that would I'm be great, totally right? I don't think they're going to open it up like that. Uh, Hanover has been generally averse to letting anyone on the property, including like third-party structural engineers. All right. So, and that's that's a pretty big issue for the for the preservationists. They want yeah. someone to get in there and say, "Hey, is this actually as decrepit as people say it is?" Got it. They don't believe so. I really, you know, I've had my fingers crossed for somebody to do a really sweet like illegal dance party there. Maybe they have. Like oh, I wouldn't necessarily know, but I kind of think that I would know. I don't think it's happened yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now's the time. I, I would I would give it maybe Three more weeks tops, and then and then that, that opportunity is gone. Yeah. All right. Well, Notre Dame rave people, it could happen. Notre Dame rave, let's get it going. Hey, if you're gonna do a dance party, I mean, you gotta have your party in it somewhere. <laughs> party right down the middle. It's my life, Bill. Truer words, truer words have never been spoken on on, on air here at Unity Radio. <laughs> You gotta have a dance party. You gotta have it somewhere. All right. I miss, I miss this. So, you know, I want to tell people at home if they really, if they miss this, they should, go, uh, they should go on uh, YouTube and watch old episodes of the Snow Ghost Community Show of me and Bruce doing this for hour after hour. Hour after hour. Never ending. <laughs> back in the, back in the, back in the, back before the Obama administration. Helped out a lot of people with insomnia back in the day. <laughs> oh man. Um, How much time we got left over there? We got like about five minutes. Five left. minutes. I would love. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Bill, if you got a minute, I would love to talk sure. a little bit. You had a, a piece uh, that ran in Wisteria this week that was kind of like in response oh. to a piece, Mass Live. Okay, you, you guys, are into, I just want to just register my my uh, objection to us talking about this right up front. With that said, go ahead. I won't right. interrupt again. But I would love to hear you, you expand a little because I, 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 it's funny. Like I, I read, I think a lot of us read stuff that Mass Live puts out that oftentimes does read like uh, it's towing the line of being like a press release or whatnot. And, but I, I kind of I feed into it. I buy it because I've been here so long. I'm like, oh, thank God somebody's just saying something positive for once about the city. But I think you had some really, really valid uh, takes on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. So I would I would say that you're right. Mass Live does toe that line. Yeah. Uh, this one I was upset about uh, just because of the way it was set up mm-hmm. more than the author, any of the people featured, or uh, the bent of it. The the way that it was set up was like the stereotype of Worcester is an old crappy city mm-hmm. that's the stereotype but that's also the old Worcester you know meet the new Worcester and then the new Worcester is a very very specific group of people right. a very very specific demographic and I think that um, drawing that line between old and new is disingenuous and kind of is something that the Chamber of Commerce would love for you to do. It's very, very, very good marketing for people in Boston reading that article. Is, is that? Is, I mean, I'll leave it. And but if we acknowledge that, and I don't, I don't have any problem with anything you just said. But I, at the same time, like, is there a problem with with new people coming in from other areas? No, absolutely not. Okay. Uh, I think that the problem is when that's your um, when your economic development strategy is to court exclusively, you know, well-to-do. 
uh, people from larger cities to come in and set up shop in the middle mm-hmm. of our city, which is basically the the bent of city square sure. and all the development around it. Uh, if that works really well, you could find yourself in the position of like really rampant gentrification happening very quickly, mm-hmm. which is, I think, something that we need to be conscious of. It's not a bad thing that people are coming and moving here. That's great. But it's something that we're not thinking about that we should, that this could down the road. So the main street of like 10 years ago is somewhere no one wanted to be. Mm-hmm. and then the, But the main street of 10 years from now could be somewhere no one can afford to be. And that, I think, is something that we should try to mitigate. Yeah. They're going to cut it down to like a tenth of a lane 10 years from now, so it's going to be a place nobody can be. <laughs> I, you know, I want to, now that I've sat through patiently, even though I said I was going to object, I want to I I I give a counterpoint to that perspective. Okay. I totally respect your perspective, but here's my counterpoint, which is that, that I, like, I read that article because on social media, the little, uh, the little thumbnail picture is of Helen O'Hara, who I know. And I was like, cool, Helen is profiled on this. Helen's a Worcester person. Yeah. And Helen is no Chris Humphrey, but Helen may one day get to the level of a Chris Humphrey. Definitely somebody, <laughs> one of the people who makes Worcester what it is, definitely a part of the foundation of the city. You know, a city fo- founded on the backs of hundreds of thousands of people down through the centuries who've been awesome yeah. in order that we could live an awesome life today. So I say, good job, Helen. Good job. You know, like, uh, whatever. You write about some Boston people. You write a bunch of nonsense. Whatever. I don't care. I want to see more stuff about Janelle Wheeler, Helen O'Hara, Bruce Russell, obviously. Bill Shaner, these other people, Brendan, these ups, these upstanding citizens, taxpayers, I call them. <laughs> Watching all of the wire this week. Are we ready to get out of here? Well, one uh, thing. we're long ready. All right, the last word will be from Bruce Russell. Hey, one thing about the foundation, at least, you know, where did somebody find it? It's good. It sounds like a good find to me. You find something you didn't. I found the find I didn't find. I guess you didn't know when you really found it. And we're out. You did this. <laughs> <laughs>